Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Where KSL offers Utah deeper insights on the news. Host Boyd Matheson divides rage from reason and elevates the conversation on issues crucial to our community. On KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Welcome to Inside Sources and KSL News Radio. I'm Ethan Millett. I'm filling in today. And I got to tell you, if you've been listening to KSL News Radio this week, you'll know that I've had an awesome week. An awesome week. It's uh, I was able to to host with Debbie uh, yesterday and Monday on their show in the morning, Dave and Dujanovic, and now uh, filling in here for for Boyd on on his great show, Inside Sources. I, I just enjoy this so much. So thanks so much for tuning in and and hearing me just uh, end my year on a real high note. Because if you know me, you know I love radio, and you know I miss it every day. And uh, and so I'm so, so happy to be here today. And we got a lot lined up for you. We've got a ton lined up because, of course, that's that's kind of the hallmark of Inside Sources, isn't it? It's a show that's just packed with good and current uh, information. And today we're going to spend a little bit of our time talking about Senator Harry Reid. He's a past uh, majority leader in the Senate, Democratic senator out of Nevada, LDS, and just uh, a real giant in American politics, especially out here in the West. He passed away yesterday at the age of 82. Uh, he was born in Searchlight, Nevada, and went on to walk the halls of power, and I mean on a global scale. It's a really cool story. But uh, you may or may not remember that uh, Senator Reid was on Inside Sources last year where he talked with Boyd uh, about his career in Congress, uh, about some of his memories. And they also talked a lot about uh, what was wrong with Congress. And, you know, you guys know that that Boyd has uh, has a history in Congress, you know, on the staff side, working there with senators. And, of course, Senator Reid was a past majority leader, so they had a, a lot to kind of talk about. And so uh, we wanted to bring that up today and see if Harry Reid's ideas that he shared with Boyd last year might give us some kind of insight into, I don't know, ways that we can we can move forward. I, I think that everyone feels, whether you're on the right or the left, I think everyone feels like we're not quite getting it right. And maybe there's some wisdom here that, that is worth hearing. So first up, the first little clip I'm going to play for you is him talking, uh, Senator Reid talking about uh, the state of the Senate today and what it was like in, I guess, let's call it the good old days. I think the state of the Senate is uh, abysmal. I think it's uh, really something that we should not be proud of. I look at the Senate in the years when we had 
Democrats and Republicans actually doing what legislation is all about, that is compromising. A great Republican senators, Chafee, a war hero from Korean War, from Rhode Island, Danforth, a Episcopalian minister from Missouri, Hatfield, a devout Catholic from Oregon. Uh, it was a just a place where we got a lot of things done. And... And I know that that's correct. I mean, there was a time when the Senate, I mean, let, let's not pretend that it was a place where they all stood around, hold, held hands and sang camp songs, right? Let's not pretend that. But there was, a, you know, a generation of senators who understood that they were all on the same team for the most part and um, and were willing to kind of stretch a little bit and find some common grounds. And in this next clip, Harry Reid, Senator Reid actually points out that these days, the senators don't do that anymore. In fact, they don't do much at all and primarily just focused on their parties. The only thing they do there now is approve judges. They don't have uh, debates. They don't vote on amendments. And um, as I've said, wrote an op-ed for the New York Times. Um, the one thing that has accomplished is the absolute denigration of the Senate by having 60 votes for everything. And, you know, we've we've kind of all watched um, jobs in the House and the Senate as members of Congress. They've become very highly paid part-time jobs. You know, they have staffers that kind of do a lot of that work. And you look at that and you think, what do these guys do every day? And, and according to Senator Reid, not much. And, and I don't know that we're necessarily getting our money's worth as employers, right? Because uh, these senators uh, make a lot of money. They're well into the six figures. And not only that, but uh, they're earning pensions. And so, uh, and lifetime medical benefits and things like that. And so we look at that and we think, boy, are we really getting a good deal out of it? I don't know. But on that, having to have 60 votes for everything, um, he's talking about the filibuster, right? And that's been uh, that's been a big debate this year in Washington. Should they get rid of the filibuster in the Senate? And Senator Reid really... Uh, he expressed that opinion as well. This was, and again, this was last year on this show, which has been a very, very hot topic of debate in Washington. And I think the filibuster, if it goes away, it'll still be a great body. We'll have a bicameral legislature. We'll have two-year terms in the House, six-year terms in the Senate. And I think that the Senate can recuperate, return to its former great debating society. I think he's right. I think that it can recuperate, but not with the people that are there right now for the most part. Um, it's changed, and we've elected people for this new style of Senate where everyone sits around until one party dominates all all branches of government and then moves to you know cram through as much as they can. Uh, and then there's just a lot of sitting around, you know, and there's 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 no debating, there's no compromising. They see each other as enemies. And so I think we've made a real mistake, I think, in the with the people that we've sent to Washington, D.C. Uh, Senator Reid uh, was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer in 2018. And, and I think let's, let's finish this segment here because Boyd was able to ask him his thoughts on cancer and living with a terminal illness. And he had some real words of hope for people who have been diagnosed with cancer. I want everyone within the sound of my voice to mere fact that you have cancer doesn't mean the end of the world. There's new techniques being given to us every week. 
we're doing much, much better on detecting cancer and treating it. So your listeners should understand um, that the fact you have cancer is not the end of the world. And that's comforting to hear. Uh, and I know, I know that cancer doesn't kill at the same rate it does it, it did before. Uh, some some still do. Some cancers still do. The the type of cancer that uh, that Senator Reed had, pancreatic cancer, absolutely devastating. We still do not have a handle on that at all. Um, but a lot of cancers that were terminal before, uh, now with modern treatments, uh, people can be cured or can extend their life significantly. But that's it, a lot to digest, though, because when I was growing up, cancer was still, for the most part, seen as a as a death sentence. And it's different today. We kind of have to get he I, I'm glad he pointed that out because we I feel like we kind of have to wrap our brains around that emotionally that there can be some life after that point. There are treatments. We live longer. We can be cured of many of this. So I'm going to bring to you a few more clips just to kind of help round out this picture uh, of another interview that uh, that boy did with um a man named James Walner, he's a senior fellow with the R Street Institute, used to work in Senator Lee's office and has memories of Senator Reed and has this idea that life – and I'm, I'm going to play this clip right here. But his idea is – his assertion is is that life for Republicans was better under Harry Reed. And if you look at the number of amendment votes that – that Republicans have had. If you look at the number of amendments that Republicans have proposed, they proposed more on average and got more votes on their amendments under Reed than again under McConnell. So the numbers just don't lie. And so that led me to the conclusion that, you know, if, if, if Republicans want to offer amendments again, maybe they should ask Harry Reid to come back. <laughs> well, obviously that ship has sailed. But it's very, very interesting because I remember what a villain senator reed was and he was a villain here too people couldn't believe it and they're so offended they're they're particularly offended by the shared faith right and uh, he was just a huge villain it's interesting to see someone put a little perspective on that and say no 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 there's something you don't understand here um he also uh james also went on to say and and this might be what's in kind of informing uh, his views on on senator reed that in the problem with the senate today is that there's no real compromise that's correct. There's no tweaking anymore. There's no compromise, uh, at least on the floor of the Senate. There's no legislative debate, as your listeners will think of it. Senators are there for one purpose only these days, it appears, and that is to cast up or down votes on final passage on legislation that they have, with which they have been confronted by their leaders and their committee chairman and uh, the House leaders and the president. And that echoes what we heard from Senator Reid in that last segment, that that was something that he valued. And so it's interesting because now looking back, we can see his fingerprints. We can see Senator Reid's fingerprints on the Senate in the amount of debate that there was, the amount of compromise there was when he was the Senate majority leader. Um, James uh, also goes on to explain why that amendment process in particular is so important. The process is a way to reconcile the losers in the outcome or the losers in the debate to the outcome. And the best way to do that is if you allow for them to have an opportunity to offer amendments so that they can see where 
and how far they can go and what you can change in the bill. And when you lose, you lose. And then you make a decision. Do I like the bill as it stands? Maybe not all of it, but do I like enough of it to vote on it and to have a, a kind of pass it? And then you own that vote and you go to your constituents and you say, I tried. I tried to do X, Y, and Z, and here's how and when I tried to do it. And they can look at it and they can see. And he said, and after I failed on, and after that wasn't enough, then I decided to make the difficult choice to vote for the bill. So you own it. There's a certain amount of integrity there. And then you have a compromise that's durable, whereas today everyone's a victim. Everyone says, well, I don't like this, but I have no choice. Right. And so you have these compromises that are that 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 lack integrity in the sense of that no one wants to stand up and support them because they're being forced to do them by circumstances that they themselves control. That's an interesting point, how, you know, with so many people being the victim and 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 it's interesting because we send these uh, men and women to Washington, D.C. to govern, right, to make these decisions. And then they don't. And they seem a little bit hapless and sure they complain, but you know, I don't know, maybe this is a little too much complaining, uh, but I'll tell you one of the things, this is my favorite part here is that, uh, James recognized how much Harry Reid, Senator Reid encouraged lawmakers to have more faith in the process. And that's something I know James believes in, and, and I, I certainly do too. So just have more faith in the process. They need to have faith in the process that, that we have been following since, you know, at least, you know, 1789, if not before, and how to make collective decisions in this country. You know, and, they, and this idea that somehow you can only make these tough decisions when no one gets involved and no controversy is allowed to in, intervene is, is not, is very un-American. And it's not the way that we've done things. And so, yes, you're absolutely right. We need we need senators and we need House members to say, look, I'm going to cast votes. And the process of casting those votes is going to ultimately lead to an outcome. And it's going to be a good outcome, no matter what happens. Uh, I love that so much because I'm I'm a firm believer that the only real thing that we have that's worth anything in the United States is our process. Because that's that process by which we make decisions. And if we have a bad process, it's going to lead to bad decisions. And we've allowed ourselves to drift a little bit. And we've allowed um, men and women in politics to make us afraid of the process because they tell us that if the wrong decision is made, then everything will be collapse. Everything will collapse. We'll all fall to communism. This bill passes, it's the end. That bill passes at the end. If this person's successful, it's the end. And we've allowed them to go unchallenged. And what that's done is it's created an abject fear of the process to where we don't want the process anymore. We just want to win. We don't want the election. We just want the right person in no matter what that takes. We don't want debate in Congress. We just want the right bill to be passed no matter how it gets there. But that's a garbage process, isn't it? It's really, really terrible. And I know that at this point, it's most common for people in my position would be to say, and this is true for both parties, but I always try and resist that. I always try and really resist saying that this is how it is, that both parties are at fault here by the, you know, I, I resist saying that. I, I, I don't think it's, I don't think it's valuable. And in fact, I don't think not only is it not valuable or helpful, I, I think it's, it, it's counter to that because what it does, it lets everyone off the hook because in a liberal state, when you say, 
well, but both parties are, are guilty of it, then they let themselves off the hook. And in a conservative state, when you say both parties are guilty of it, they let themselves off the hook. I don't live in a liberal state. I live here. So I don't see any value in saying both sides do this because I only have one side that I, by which I'm represented. I only have two, you know, I only have a handful of levers to pull in this larger debate. And that is, you know, Senator Romney, Senator Lee, and um, our members of Congress. That's it. And they're all Republicans. So, so I think in Utah, the best thing we can do is lean on the people that we have. Lean on the Republicans we have. Stop fretting about the Democrats and make sure that the Republicans that we have coming out of Utah really represent those core values and really represent an effort to have a really good system in place. All right, we've got to grab uh, a quick break here. When we come back, lots, lots more on Inside Sources. We'll see you on the other side of this news break. A stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are. And this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts.